So this morning, as I preach your, my last sermon as your pastor, I want to start out by saying thank you. I want to say thank you for, to everyone, because when I came here seven years ago, I didn't know what to expect. I certainly know you guys weren't sure what you were getting into, but I want to thank everyone for the way that they have loved and cared for me over these past seven plus years, for the staff past and present, for the leaders, the elders past and present, the amazing dedicated people who volunteer and give themselves so freely, who love the Lord and love his church and love this part of his church here in Stowe. And it's difficult for us to say goodbye, but as we'll talk about today, we are certainly doing what the Lord has called us to do and what I know I am called to do. And it was a family decision. Mandy and I have prayed about this. And with our family, we continue to pray about this journey. And it continues to be a journey. It will continue to, to be such. And as I leave for my training in January coming up at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, I'll be gone for 93 days. And after a few preliminary sense steps, I'll leave for that and be gone till uh, late April. And then in late April, I will report to Fort Hood, Texas, or whatever they call it by that time. Who knows what name it'll have by then. And for a new post as a chaplain with uh, the 316 Field Artillery, that's them right there. That's the nice guys I get to go be a pastor to right there. And uh, I'll be serving with that artillery unit in the 1st Cavalry Division at Fort Hood. I'll get to preach in one of Fort Hood's 13 chapels. It's the largest army base. Uh, so they have 13 different chapels. Uh, one of them is uh, bigger than any of the largest churches around here. It's a pretty giant facility. I'm sure I'll get the one in the back 40 somewhere that doesn't have any windows or doors, and that's, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm okay with that, but I'll get to preach on occasion. But what I'll mainly be doing is ministering to the soldiers that you see there on the screen and to their families and loved ones. I'll be, I'll be counseling them, praying with them, spending time with them, getting to know them, encouraging them. You see, the Army is very big on building uh, strength and health in its soldiers and resiliency. Soldiers and their families have all the same difficulties that you and I have in our world and lives with COVID and everything else going on, and then they have all the added requirements and stresses of serving in the military. And so my job is to help them develop practically, relationally, and spiritually healthy and strong relationships, strong bonds with each other and uh, with God, that they would be ready to serve our nation and to defend it. And so I ask for your prayers for that process because I'm entering into all of that. So pray for me and my family and that everything will continue as it has to happen in God's timing and he'll sustain me throughout this process uh, all the way through my training and my first assignment, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that I'll be sustained because it's, it's kind of a crazy, scary thing to do at this point in my life. So as uh, we now talked about that for a minute, I'd like us to finish this passage from Acts 20 today. As I seek to do this for God's glory, as this church seeks to move forward for God's glory, let's look at Paul's final remarks as he wants to honor and glorify God. He's talking to those Ephesian elders who have come to see him as he's on his way. Paul's heading to Jerusalem and then to Rome. And we have to remember that things have been difficult for the church at Ephesus, and they'll continue to be difficult. That church was struggling and faced difficulty, and it'll face even more difficulty in the future, both from external sources and also even internally, internal difficulties in the lives of the believers there. As we discussed last week, the people of that church would later be convicted and called to account by God for uh, losing their first love, that they were not placing God above all things in 
their own lives. And that's never what we want to hear God say to us. And Paul is here encouraging these leaders and encouraging this church to stay true to their calling from God, to have a heart for God, to place him first. And the elders of that church, along with all in the church of Jesus Christ, we all have this calling from the top down to lead that we would proclaim Christ, as we've talked about. And in that comes a special responsibility for our leaders, for our session, and for our staff, for sure. But for everyone, we have this shared duty, this responsibility, and Paul is calling them from the leaders on down. And he's praying for them. He's calling for them to fulfill what God has placed before them. He's praying for them to have the strength and the guidance to do that. He commands them, he, he guides them into staying true to God's word, to be anchored in it, to stay dedicated to caring and guiding the flock that God has given them. And with that command to nurture for our elders and to watch over and to protect them, there's a life-giving dynamic, a life-giving atmosphere that comes in the life of the church when from the leaders on down, the church is focused on having a heart for God. And that's really what I see happening here in this church. And I'm very thankful for that because I believe that God is doing some amazing things here. And I know that Paul, even in the church at Ephesus, he saw that they indeed had great things they could do for the kingdom as well. And as he concludes those remarks for that church, it's a bittersweet time for him because they all know they're not going to see each other again. Now, I, I hope and don't believe that'll be the case for us. Um, no matter how much some of you might be hoping that, you'll probably see me again at some point. But I, I want you to know that I, I'm very thankful for the time I've had here to serve in the life of this church. And as a pastor, it's important that we depart the church well. We should work hard as pastors to leave the church well. And that's part of our honoring the calling that God gives us in the life of the church. It has a beginning and it has an end. We are temporary shepherds. It's important that we remember that. And it's important that we honor God and honor the church that we do that. So I'm doing my best and I've done my best to leave as well as I could in this strange time of COVID because that's frankly the church deserves the opportunity to grow into new and vibrant ministry. So it's important, it's a sacred part of my calling is to know that when I've completed what the Lord has put me here to do, to leave the church and to leave it well, to do anything other than that for a pastor is to be selfish. And I believe that Paul here, he loves the church and he loves that they've come to tell him goodbye, but he's doing his best not to be selfish. He wants them to go forward, and he's going back over, and we'll see today, he's going over these foundational parts of the sacred calling that God has given this church, and he's reminding them that though he will not be there, that he will pray for them, and he knows that they will pray for him, and I trust that you'll be praying for me, and know that though I won't be physically present in Ohio, I will be praying for you, and I have been blessed beyond measure for the small role that I have played in this amazing place, and I know that God has plans to bless and to use this church beyond measure of what I think anyone can see even presently. God has great plans here. And so I commend to you, based on what Paul said, once again, the core, the foundational ideas of what it means for you to be the church of Jesus Christ. So let's lead, read here from Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 32 through 38 today. Let's read now, starting in verse 32. 
And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. All right, so here we're going to look at a few things. We're going to look at a few foundational things here, and we're going to start here with these three things that are said. So these three things foundational that Paul says here, we're going to explore these ideas. The Great Commission is the mission. Always be prepared to have a readiness to serve, and that giving your all is required. So again, the Great Commission is the mission. Always be prepared to serve, and giving your all is required. These are the three main things that Paul is saying here to the church of Jesus Christ. He wants them to understand this. And we're going to start first with the concept here. The Great Commission is the mission. And we've talked some about this, but Paul wants to leave them. He wants to ingrain this upon them. Verse 32, and now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. So that's the first thing that Paul says to them there. He wants them to see this. The great missionary leader of the New Testament church, he's formally charging the leaders of this church, stay faithful to the holy word of God. Let it lead you forward into a life that honors God and experiences him. The word commit there, some translations have it uh, as commend in English, and now I commit you where he says that here. That is a word that comes from the Greek. Paratheomai is the word here, so let's put that up there. Paratheomai is the word here. The word of our grace deposited in our souls and our lives. That word there, paratheomai, is the idea of entrusting something of great value or of great power to someone you love and believe in to safeguard it. That's what that's talking about there, that word where it says, I commit. And what is he commending or committing to them? What is he depositing in their souls? What is God giving them through the teaching of the church? It is the word of God's grace. It's the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. We have talked about that from beginning to end, God's word from the fall in the garden to the restoration when Christ comes, all those God calls out to be his people throughout God's word, through his church, his saints of today, God is depositing something of great value in the gospel to us and calling us to stay committed to it, something of great value and great worth that we would safeguard it or the old word, if you had, you know, the old English or King James, it would say, yeah, I'm going to vouchsafe. I'm going to put this and trust it. I'm marking it down on the ledger. It belongs to you. And I was thinking about it this week. People are way too early into Christmas, okay? <laughs> this is my pet peeve. My, my family's here right now, and they're all looking at me because they know. If you play Christmas music before Thanksgiving, you are a bad person. You are, you are, you are a sinner if you are, you. I came in my house last night and I heard from uh, Katie's room Christmas music. 
And the dog's sitting on the floor, bobbing his head. It's the first Christmas music he's ever heard. He's excited. And I'm sitting there thinking, too early. It's, it's just, no. But I, I love Christmas, but not till after Thanksgiving. So let me explain that a little bit. I love Christmas. So if you're like, oh, because COVID. Oh, next year, if it's not COVID, you'll have, oh, because something else, we start Christmas early. You people are bad people. But once Thanksgiving is done here and we'll be into Christmas, decorate all you want, live it up, um, come see the cool Christmas lights by our house that the people do with the music. If you come by there, my wife will probably be there 23 hours a day watching it. We love Christmas, it's fine, but one of my favorite things in Christmas growing up as a kid was uh, my dad would give us these gold and silver coins. Often they were from the Royal Canadian Mint. My dad would get them. He loved them, the wildlife, the different things on them. My, my dad's family, we have Canadian heritage, and so we'd always get these coins from the Royal Canadian Mint, and I still keep them to this day, and they were beautiful. They were, you know, struck gold and silver, and they'd have, like, otters and geese and different and bears and all kinds of things you would find on the Great North, don't you know? It would have all those things on it, and we would, we would keep them, and as I've been going through the things from my mom and dad's home and things that I've been given, I found those coins and I, I've locked them up and, and I'm trying to keep them safe because there's something special. We're going to put them somewhere else safe so don't break into my house. You'll just find a bunch of my seminary notes and things you're not going to want and nothing cool like that. But there's something about this idea of having those coins and having them entrusted, something of great value, something beautiful. And we studied this when we did uh, the parables and different things. God entrusts us with the most beautiful, the most precious thing of on. And my job is to pass those on to my kids someday, and they pass them on to their kids. And the word of God's grace, the good news of the gospel, God is telling us, he's telling us that we are to share that, to pass that on from generation to generation, what it means that we're saved by God's grace. And Paul, of course, being one of the great theologians in the New Testament, he talked about this back when you look through Romans, Romans 3.24, they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And we know this church that there is freedom, there's hope, there's peace, there's purpose in knowing Jesus Christ. And Paul is impressing that. The final thing he wants the church to remember, the final thing I want you to remember is the Great Commission is the mission because of who Jesus Christ is and what he changes in our lives. Deep down, Paul knew this. He experienced this new life in Christ. He is a living, he is the living embodiment of the gospel in action, changing someone's lives. And now his life is different. He has to tell somebody, in Paul's case, he has to tell everybody about who loved him and how that changed him. This morning we sang, For God So Loved, and I, that's a song I really like. There are newer songs I know people don't like, but the energy and the joy and the passion in that song where it's, uh, God says, bring all your failures, your fears, your addictions, all these things, all these broken things, and the church needs to be the place where we understand that we are freely justified by God's grace. The scriptures, the holy word of God tells us the truth of who God is, who we are as sinners, but who we are as redeemed saints in Jesus Christ. It's not just that we're broken people, it's that we are redeemed people that are changed by the presence of Jesus Christ. And he loves us first and foremost before anything we could have ever said or done. He loves us. Christ came to make that true. That's the great commission, Matthew 28. 
That mission, that hope, that life-changing, transforming power of the gospel is why we exist. It's the reason the church is here. That was the reason for Paul's life. He understood that as the great persecutor of the church who was a Pharisee. He knew the Old Testament. Psalm 145.8, Paul knew this verse. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and great in faithful love. He knew that, but now he had experienced it. God's love had so changed him. In my own life, I remember when God called me into ministry. It was July 1990. I was at a camp run by the Pittsburgh Youth Network called Surf City on the shores of Lake Michigan. It's the only good thing, Ohio people, that's ever happened in Michigan. Uh, Michigan people from the church, I love you, but you're still from Michigan. So, uh, but no, I, I was at this camp and God impressed upon me this need to share the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I needed to share that in my life. And some people say, oh, that's so great. You were called to be a pastor. Yes, I was called to be a pastor. And what I'm going to do now is an extension, the next part of that calling. But that's not because I'm Pastor Bob. I'm just Bob who happens to be a pastor. Someday I will no longer have a robe. I don't wear it here anyhow. You know, I won't be a pastor forever. I'll be on, I'll retire someday, and I'm going to step into the army now, and I won't be in the army forever. That's not my identity. My identity is Bob, who's a sinner saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ, and I have a calling to fulfill because I'm a believer, and you have one too. Because if Christ has changed and redeemed you, if he has taken control of your heart and your life, the gospel should be shaping you, calling you, empowering you, just urging you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is your mission. It's my mission. For God so loved the world, it's why we are here. And sharing the gospel, it's not a rehearsed speech. Everybody thinks they have to have something like down in 30 seconds. No, it's, it's more than just that. Yes, you should think through how you would share about Jesus. Yes, you should think through if someone says, you don't actually believe that and rolls their eyes how you're going to handle that. Yes, that matters. But most of all, people should see that change in our lives and our character, our desires, the way we live, the way we act and walk and talk, the way we love people, particularly in our world right now, the way we love people that we disagree with. If the Lord is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and great and faithful love, Paul experienced that through Jesus Christ and knew it to be true. And if you know it to be true, then you and I should be gracious we should be compassionate and slow to anger and we should be great and faithful love to God even now in this difficult time. We should. Belonging to Christ should be evident in the depths and in the nooks and crannies, in the little spaces and the little places in our lives. God's grace should change us so that our lives would be built up and show him to be who he is that others would be drawn in. That's what Paul wants the church to remember. The second thing is a readiness to serve Christ and to serve others. In verses 33 and 34, he says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. A readiness to serve. And Paul here is saying, look, we all have a human tendency to make things about us, about what we get. We all do it in different ways. I always think that maybe I'm getting better at this, and then I go to Costco and see all the cool stuff at Costco. 
Costco has cool stuff. I think Costco, I was telling Mandy this yesterday, I think Costco is designed to make you want stuff so you can feel cooler about yourself. Like, I think that's the main purpose of Costco. Like, you get something that's slick and you're like, look, I'm slick. I have this, I don't know, what widget that they have at Costco. I don't know. It's just weird how, for me, I don't know, maybe it's a middle-aged guy thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a middle-aged dad thing. I don't know what it is, but... There's something about life, wherever we do it, whatever your thing is, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something you have, something you do, something. It's not even a bad something, but it, 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 you, you can just want it and want more of it, and it can just take your focus and put it on something else. We tend to forget about other people and start thinking more about ourselves. And one of the core competencies, one of the foundational parts of having Christ as your cornerstone is having a readiness, a willingness, a passion to serve others and not just to serve yourself. That self-denial, that spirit of sacrifice is foundational not to just a healthy Christian experience, not just a healthy relationship with Jesus, but to having a healthy life, a worthwhile existence. Do you know the people who give generously are more happy more satisfied, even physically healthier than people who don't. Emory University did a study just a few years ago with three-to-one margin. The people that give the most, that are the most generous, tend to be personally more conservative and relationally, spiritually more conservative. That means they tend to see themselves not only as people of faith, but as people dedicated in our nation. Uh, these are people dedicated to the Bible, not just that they identify as Christian, but they identify as trying to live out actively the principles of the Bible. It was a, not at all what they thought they were going to find in this survey. But they found that Christians, particularly biblical or evangelical, what they would call fundamental Christians, they were the happiest, the most satisfied, and they lived by a specific ethos or worldview derived from obediently following God's word and one aspect of that that was throughout the survey, regardless of their background, their education, how much money they had or did not have, was generosity. Material generosity, yes. Generosity with their time, with their attention, with their hearts, with their relationships. We've seen this time and time again with what we've discussed here. But those who give freely, who have a readiness, a willingness, a passion to serve... Churches, families, couples, individual believers. God places the emphasis for us to serve in his word, sharing life, putting our energies, putting our resources, loving, caring, and serving others. Servants place the needs of others ahead of themselves. In Matthew 6, Jesus reminds us it's not just about tithing. It is about that, but it's about more than that. That we should store up our treasures in heaven that we should look at things with God's eyes, with spiritual eyes. And he says in 621, Matthew 621, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And Paul here is telling that church, hey, you know where my heart is. You know where my treasure is. You know what matters to me. And Paul's heart with these Ephesian elders, their heart, they want to love and care and serve each other. That's why they have come out to see him. And that's why Paul was saying to him, I'm so glad you're here, but... If I have one last time to share with you, I want you to remember it's about the gospel. And it's not just saying it or understanding it. It's living it and doing it and having compassion and mercy and grace. And 
Paul's life had been so changed. He said, look, you know, I, it's not whether I get a salary from the church or not. In Paul's case, he was what's called a tent maker. He literally made tents. We use that as a term to describe someone that has another job and works in ministry. Yeah, the church can give pastors money, and they should. And when you have another pastor, you should pay them well. They work hard. They should. But more than that, whether you're a pastor or a plumber, whether you're retired, whether you're a banker, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you have a little or whether you have a lot, is your heart generously focused on being the person God has called you to be? How do we love? How do we give? How do we serve? How do we do that in our lives? Verse 34, Paul emphasizes, he says, You yourselves know that I work with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. Now, this is interesting here because Paul didn't have a family, so he's not talking about his family. But the phrase here, Paul is talking about having a church that is unified on this idea of being a servant. That phrase there in Greek, those who are with me. It's a weird phrase in Greek, and without getting into too much of it today, that phrase is most often used in Greek with the idea of people that are working in concert like the body of Christ or a sports team. But in Greek, that's actually the idea of people that are rowing together in a boat, rowing together in the same direction. That's what that phrase means in Greek. Isn't that strange? That phrase in Greek is the idea of everyone rowing together in sync. When I listened to our musicians practice, even this morning, the, uh, when the ladies sang at the beginning of the service and did such a beautiful job with that song they sang, they, they practiced, they used a metronome. You guys know what a metronome is. I think Julie is already a metronome. I don't know why she actually uses one, but she's always like, I have no rhythm. So when people have rhythm, I'm always like, wow, look at that. But whenever they do that, they're singing and, and singing, they're doing all that. It works. It's beautiful. When you row together, it's beautiful. My wife rode crew in high school. You guys know what that is when they race on the boats and they row real fast and they get really good at doing that. And there's one person that calls out to them and they row along with that. And in this case, Paul's giving them this image of the Holy Spirit calls out and we all work together. The Word of God guides us along the river. We all work together and we're rowing in sync. Because what happens if you've ever gone canoeing with somebody that doesn't know how to paddle? What if you paddle one way and they paddle the other? You either don't go anywhere, you get really tired, or you go in circles. I've actually seen that in a canoe. Or worse, what happens? The boat, boat flips over and takes on water. In a very real sense, Paul is reminding the church that we have to have the right heart attitude. We have to work together, serve together, give freely of ourselves together as Christ has set this example that we would be united, that we would work together with our own hands side by side for the sake of that gospel message, that gospel mission. And that's my prayer and my desire for this church. That's the prayer God gave me in my time here, that this would be a church of disciples who would be making more disciples. Our elders, our leaders have been focusing, our staff on the idea of having a focused and simple church. And there's this vision we have of that that's along the same lines of, we use the Cuyahoga River because it's not on fire right now, which is good. And the idea of paddling down that river and working together, and the, the farther down that river you go, the deeper you come in your relationship with Jesus Christ, 
the more devoted you become, the more connected to loving and serving and giving and all the things I'm talking about here, all the things that Paul is talking about. And as you do that, people come with and you bring them into the church and they begin down that. And at that process, you go back up and you're bringing people down the river. You're like guiding people down to the deepest commitment to Jesus Christ. And at the end of that is the foot of the cross where we just lay our lives down. We give ourselves to Christ that we would be dedicated, devoted followers, ardent followers of Jesus Christ. And the funny thing is, the more you deepen your faith, the more you give of God, the more you step out into the void, the more God honors that, the more God will grow you and draw you in and transform you. And the thing is, he'll honor that commitment you make when it's simply all about him. He'll honor that in your life and in your marriage and in your family, and he will change relationships. He will heal brokenness in your life when you do that, and he will bless and use you to serve other people. For me right now, as I go further down, the river in my life, that journey I talked about, it's becoming an army chaplain. And believe me, at 44 years old, with all the things I've gone through in my life, I'm not quite as spry as I once was. And I've worked really hard to be in the best shape I can, but I have to be physically and emotionally and spiritually as strong and resilient, like I talked about, as I can be. It's scary uh, to do that. And for me, it's scary. How am I going to be a good dad? How am I going to be a good husband? How am I going to be a a good friend, but I have to trust that as I follow God, he's going to use my commitment as I use my own two hands and bring people alongside me to work with me and that you have to trust that as you do that as a church and you work side by side, that God will change lives and use you to draw other people and to know him. That is the purpose of the church. But most of all, I can promise you that the life that will be changed by that will be your own. God does something powerful when we lay down our lives, not because we're called to be ministers or missionaries, but just as Christians, when we say, God, I know you're calling me to serve and to give and to lay down my life, that I have a readiness to serve, a readiness to share, to give up everything for you. He's going to change you. He's going to use you and he's going to transform you that you would be the person he uses to change someone else's life. You may not see it now. You may not even believe it now. But I promise you that God will honor that if you have that readiness to serve and to minister in that way. But as you're following Christ, and as Paul is about to go off to Jerusalem on to Rome, he does remind them, he's honest about them, that third point today is that giving all is required. It's not optional. Giving all, verse 35, a blueprint for all of us as we follow Christ like Christ. In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak. By laboring like this, there's work there. Look, laboring and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, before you start Googling and looking that up, that exact phrase, it is, more blessed to give than receive, is recorded nowhere in the Gospels. Isn't that funny? We don't have every single solitary word Jesus said. Now before that makes you wonder, what else do we not know about Jesus? We need to look for the lost Gospels on Discovery Channel, on Netflix, or what? No, it's not what that's saying. What it's saying here is that who Christ was and what he said it's in concert. It's in harmony. It makes sense. Everything we know of Jesus makes sense. If you've been in church at all, if you've read the Bible, 
It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know that just innately in your life. If you've ever watched a small child at Christmas, after Thanksgiving, you can think about this more. If you've ever been able to bless someone else when they had a need, just in a little way, and you've seen how it's touched their lives, didn't that mean as much to you, if not more to you? And I bet you it meant more to you than anything you ever got or reminded you of the way someone else blessed you. We were made in our perfectness before our fallenness and our not making it about ourselves and our sinfulness, we mess us up, but we were made to give. And Christ shows us that we must give freely all of ourselves. All of ourselves. This is what Jesus did at the cross. This is how Jesus lived. This is what Jesus taught. This was his mission. Matthew 20, 28, what did Jesus say? The Son of Man did not come to be served, though he deserved it, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, as the payment for many. You and I understand who Jesus is. If you're a believer, you understand that he came to be the servant of all, to be the perfect sacrifice, the Savior for, our, for us from our sins. And we need to remember that's been the core of our church this past year, to be a servant. How do you and I make this the center, the heart, the gospel mission, the, the servant mindset, this idea that we are to give freely, even give all of ourselves, not holding back a little corner or a little bit of ourselves? How do you... You and I make that the core of our lives. How does Stowe Presbyterian Church make that the, the cornerstone, make Christ the cornerstone, the foundation for the next chapter in its spiritual journey? I think in verse 35, that was very clear. The phrase there that was used was help the weak. And that's tricky to figure out in our world because injustice has become the favorite way, the favorite weapon to pit people against each other. In a world with no truth, how do you even know what's right and true and just? Paul told you. The word of God, the word of his grace, the holy scriptures, the lamp unto your feet, the light unto your path. God's word will keep you anchored, as I said, and it will guide you. It'll also, God's Spirit, which will always align with God's Word, will show you. But then as you pray and as you serve, as you understand that the gospel has changed you, you should have a passion, a desire to love others. And Paul says, once you figure that out, you know which way is up. You know that there's truth from what's not true, and God's Word makes it clear. All of it is true, friends. We've got to believe it. That's what we talked about last week. But as you do that, remember who Christ was. Remember what Christ did, and you and I need to go where we're called and do likewise as families, as couples, as individuals. Together, this church needs to do it as a church family. Help the weak. Maybe it's materially, maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's spiritually, maybe it's people suffering from addiction or shame or brokenness. Maybe it's people caught in sex trafficking. Maybe it's people who are just have everything they ever wanted and nothing they've ever needed and don't know Jesus Christ and they're drowning even though on the outside it looks like they have everything. You have a calling, church, specifically here in this community to make a difference with the gospel that God will use to share 
the good news and you need to pray fervently and to find those opportunities where people are hurting, where they are broken, whether it's materially or spiritually, emotionally, where they're weak, you need to reach out and to love and to serve them. I don't know how the church will survive after COVID and everything, Pastor. I know how you'll survive. You will, I know how you'll thrive. If you will find and serve and help the weak in your community, Christ will show up and transform lives just as he's transformed yours. And as he's transformed yours, you'll have to share it. People will see it, and the church will thrive and grow and transform the community. Will there be spiritual opposition? You bet. Will it be fair? Absolutely not. Paul's going off in chains to face the end of his life. Would Paul change anything? No way. Neither would I. And when you have Jesus Christ, all those other things don't matter, and neither would you. You and I have been called not to be served, but to serve. If Christ, who is above all things, comes to be a servant to all, how can we do any less in our lives? And for me, that is what I'm about to do in my life. And it's really weird because I never thought I'd be doing this with what I'm doing, especially the way it happened in my life. So my father-in-law had this idea. And if you know anything, without getting too weird about life, the fact that my father-in-law gave me this idea and that I listened to it is just like amazing in and of itself. Not because I love my father-in-law and he loves me, but you know, it's just a typical thing where I'm like, huh, okay. But he said that to me and I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know that I can do that. I'm, I'm old. I made all kinds of excuses. Eh, you know, I was still all about me and all about my fear. And the funny thing was, I always wanted to do that. I, I looked into the military a whole lot when I was a kid and even really, I got this close. I, I even turned down a couple opportunities uh, that I had to do that. And on that journey, I just trusted that with God and I've walked with him this whole way. And there's times, friends, in this whole process I've been through that I'm not going to get into here this morning. It's not about me this morning. But I can just tell you from my own life that as I have trusted that God had a plan for me, as long as I said, God, I'm your servant. If you open a door, I'm going to walk through it. If you give me an opportunity to serve someone, I'm going to serve them. God has always honored that call in my life, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a believer. And he'll do the same thing with you. And every time that he's spoken to me through someone, a trusted spiritual leader, you know, my father-in-law, friends in ministry, other people said, hey, you know, you need to pay attention to that. As I've seen God use those things to move me along in my own faith journey, I understand what Paul's saying, and I know some of you do as well. The Lord, as we've said, has wasted nothing. Nothing in my life to get me to this point. And he'll waste nothing this church has gone through, this church will endure. Nothing this church has learned. Nothing this church has in terms of its giftedness. God will use all of those things, every little bit of this place, to transform this community because we have a calling. This church has a calling. You as individual believers have a ministry. You have a calling to serve Jesus not just your church, not just the organization, not just the pastors or the elders, but each and every one of you are called to serve, to trust, to listen for the Spirit, to obey the Word, and to serve other people. As Christ gave all, you and I are called to give our all. So friends, your charge is this. Seek Christ with your whole hearts. Know the Great Commission 
is the mission. It's the reason, the purpose of the church. Not a part, but the whole reason. And as we accomplish, wherever God takes us, what Christ has put us here to do, as we grow and struggle with our own faith and learn to be shaped and molded to be more like Him, our lives will be transformed. But most importantly, the lives of others will be transformed in the process as we love and serve, even in our broken and fearful and incompleteness, as we love and serve, we will care for those who are weakened and broken in this world. And friends, the need for that now in our world is greater than it's ever been before. And know that I love each one of you, and I love this church, and I am so excited to see what the Lord has done, or ha will continue to do. I am so excited with what the Lord has done in my time here, but I am so excited to see what he has yet to do and the exciting things he will do and what is yet to come. So stay rooted in God and all he is calling you to do and know that I leave here with thanks for all of you in my heart. Let's pray. God, I thank you this day for each and every one who makes this church their home. God, I thank you for the way that you have called them to belong to you and the way that you use them to be your very own, the hands and feet of Christ to our community, the way that you change us when we just surrender ourselves and say, God, I've, I've given it all up to you. This is all I've got. And Lord, for the treasure we have to know that Jesus Christ transforms and redeems even the most broken of lives, that beautiful treasure we have that we've been entrusted, that we would work together in concert, that we would all row together the same direction that this church would move forward, continue to grow and to seek and to share and to serve, particularly to find those who are the broken and the weak in the world around them, to find those, whether spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally, whatever's going on, that you have a specific and unique call for this church. God, as this church fervently continues to seek you, that you would reveal more and more of that to them, that they would know how they will continually how they will consistently build relationships and minister to that calling, to those people here in our community, we pray in Jesus' name. In all God's people said, amen.